welcome to the debut episode of the Keep It Real Movement podcast with your host, Mary Laura Hunt. I am not Mary Laura. I am here with her, though, in the T.L. James house in the historic uh, downtown area, and I'm excited to talk to you, Mary Laura. I obviously know who you are, but for the folks that are listening to this and watching us, who is Mary Laura Hunt? Well, I am a 16-year-old Ruston native. I, my family's been here for generations. I'm a junior at Ruston High School. I mean, I've been dancing for 13 years. My favorite color is green. I don't like it. No, that's it. That's exactly what I wanted to start with. The, the first thing that I noticed in your resume that was surprising to me, particularly because of your age, that you've been dancing for 12 years. Is that right? Yes. Okay, that's longer than I've been podcasting, and I'm—I mean, I'm a—I'm an old man at this point. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you got into it first of all, but also what is it that you get out of dancing that would make you keep up with it for that long a period of time? Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of you being a professional dancer is not something I've heard in your plans. Mm-hmm. So, what is it that you get out of dance to stay with it a decade plus? Okay, well, I think I just got put into dance because I looked really cute in a little tutu. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But I think everybody just kind of puts. Um, their little girl into dance to be a ballerina for whatever and I decided that I really loved it because it was a really good release for me I didn't love the like like super competitive aggressive sports that wasn't my thing I would get nervous that people would get mad at me if I was too aggressive you, you know what I mean so dance was just a really good way to express me without having to you know worry about other te- people or like being super competitive it's a physical release. It's a just a different way to express your emotions than you do typically day to day. So I've got a couple of daughters, nine-year-old girls, mm-hmm. and one of them is a dancer herself. And the thing that struck me in the last year or so, she talked about getting into theater. And at the last minute, she changed her mind and said, no, I want to stick with dance. And her argument was the difference between being a featured performer, a featured dancer in a troupe versus having a featured role on stage in a musical or something like that, it was a little too much spotlight for her. What is it about being part of the ensemble, even when you are a featured performer, as I know you are on a regular basis, what does that team aspect bring to it? Okay, so I, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a very anxious person. I get nervous for a lot of things, especially when I'm put in the spotlight. And so for dance, it's, to me, it's the stability and it's very predictable you practice and you practice and you don't once you get to the performance you don't have to think about anything like you just do it and it's great and I love it because I don't have to get anxious about it it's just it's nothing about it is stressful for me it's just a release and the team aspect is just I mean I don't even know how to explain it like you don't do it every day it's just a unique experience that you share with a group of girls who are similar to you and you get to express your emotions together and that's really beautiful I agree yeah that's nice (laughs) let's talk about the competition world for a minute so as we as we sit here recording this your title is Miss Louisiana's outstanding teen right that's still current outstanding it's Out- not outstanding. I'm not outstanding anymore, Miss America. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There has recently been a change in the director of the Miss America organization, so I'm now just Miss Louisiana's team. Nice. Yes. Okay. All right. How did you get into the competition world? To hear your mom describe it to me, <laughs> she and I were talking about it, and she said you kind of fell backwards into it. This is not yes. something that you guys, like, aimed for. Absolutely not. I mean, if you asked me two, two and a half years ago, like, I literally would have known absolutely nothing like I just thought it was you just walk around in a pretty dress that's literally all I knew about pageants 
and we had a family friend. It was the year after COVID, so everything was very internet large. It was very open, very, we just, we need girls, like, come try it out, see if you like it. And so we had a family friend that was involved in the organization. She's like, Mary Laura, like, you have a talent. And which, that's the that's the main thing I think a lot of girls nowadays dance or theater or stuff like that. It isn't as popular. It's more like softball, volleyball, tennis, like all of those like hardcore training sports, which, which are great. I'm not saying that dance isn't hardcore, but you can't showcase that. Right. So I had a talent. I've always been in leadership roles. That's just something I enjoy. So I had some public speaking experience and she was like, just, just come try it out. And if I hadn't had her, I would have been completely blind. She literally just dragged me through the whole process. Like I had no idea, but yeah, it was inner at large. I didn't have to do anything prior. I just signed up, paid, showed up and I loved it. So what is it like Obviously, this is something that everybody goes through in, in their daily life anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But to put yourself up for it, for for comparison mm-hmm. like that, for your talent, for your answers, for your appearance, all of these things together, I mean, how does that feel? Is it not stressful to you? You just said you mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never actually thought about it that way. Like, I've never actually thought about it as, like, a you're better than... Like, it, it's just... It's not that way. When you're participating, the girls are very kind like it's a very loving environment nothing about it is harsh or aggressive and I think that's a stigma that comes along with competition sometimes but nothing about it is harsh or aggressive or super competitive like it's it's not a malicious environment whatsoever so I don't ever really look at it as comparing one girl to another I've just always viewed it as how can I grow personally from this and that's what it's always been about like how can I grow from this and you learn like so much. I'm a completely different person in my social abilities and my public speaking abilities. And I mean, in my like knowledge base, like I've had to keep up with current events and information. Like I'm a documentary girl now because I like it, it, you learn and you keep up and you participate in the world around you. And it's, it's great. You need that info dump. Huh? Yes. I like that too. <laughs> How much of it do you find is camaraderie with like-minded young individuals? You know, these girls are all there for uh, a competition, and yet they're all high achievers with a talent, as you mm-hmm. say, that don't mind being in public spaces and in public places. So I would imagine you've developed some good relationships out of that too, yes. right? Yes, of course. The whole Miss America organization is about women empowering women. Mm. And so, like, that is what we're there for. We're, we are there to be role models and to, you know, just inspire other women to, and show them that they can be powerful leaders. Like, and that's really not at all what people think whenever they think about competitions, and that's what we're kind of trying to change. So, why a podcast? I mean, you're a very gifted junior in high school. Mm-hmm. We've heard already about some of the things that you're involved in. It's a busy social calendar, one would imagine. Uh, never mind the fact that you might want to do some things for fun once in a while. <laughs> and you do have yeah. a family that wants to spend some time with you. Why would you spend your time, why would you spend your energy on creating a platform like this? What is the message or the, the purpose that you're hoping to achieve? So with this podcast specifically, I'm a junior in high school. Like I am 16. I do legally have to attend school. And so <laughs> um, junior year is just a very rigorous year. There's a lot of really important core classes that you have to take. And for that reason, I can't sacrifice an hour of the school day. There's so many people I want to inform about all of the social media stuff, but I I just don't have time. Like I I can't travel all over the place all the time to tell people about it. So with this podcast, I want it to be an easy, accessible 
something that people can listen to on a drive during a workout, whatever. And I listen to podcasts and I'm very busy. Just with a podcast, I don't have to sacrifice my important school time and I can get this message out to people that I might never meet, which I think is really powerful. And a great thing about social media before we even get started. Taking your effort, one effort, and duplicating the reach that you get out of yes. it. That's, that's the yes. whole point, man. That's absolutely the mm-hmm. point. I want to talk a little bit about, about your faith. You know, obviously, everyone that watches this is not necessarily going to be of your same religious tradition or mm-hmm. maybe even have one at all. But my kids, again, I've got four, four kids, and they're all at the age where they're beginning to have these sorts of discussions and, and thoughts for themselves. What is their place in life? What is their purpose? What, what is this all for? What is their relationship to a deity or, or a faith tradition? One of the things that I have told all of them through that process is the personal benefits that I find from my faith. When times are low, I have something to lean on, warmth, comfort, etc. When times are good, I have something to kind of humble me and keep me on an even keel so that I don't get, as my mom would say, too big for my britches. What is it that you benefit from in your daily existence, particularly as such a busy, popular teen? What do you get from your faith on a day-to-day basis? Oh, I mean, I think you just summed it up perfectly. Accountability, for Mm. sure. Like, just knowing that there is someone always there for me, and it's not tied to anything that I've accomplished or anything that I'm a part of. It's just for me. There is somebody out there that is just for me, and that's really special. Well, now you're going to get me all (laughs) teary-eyed. That's very sweet, Mary Laura. But I think think it's absolutely true. I think a lot of times, young people especially, Mm -hmm. get caught up in their questions or issues with the dogma that they see presented by any one particular religion. And we overlook the source of comfort and the foundational Mm -hmm. sort of things that we believe about ourselves and each other and the universe and the way we interact. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really lovely to see that displayed. Camp Ozark was something that came up a lot in your uh, background. Talk a little bit about that. That, I think, is sort of formational in your... Obviously, your mom and daddy took you to church and things, but Camp Ozark is sort of formational for your faith experience, I think. Yes, I love talking about Camp Ozark. I credit it to all of my social skills to this day. Uh, My parents are really big into independence, and so I was never allowed to go to summer camp with any of my friends. Just me. And so nobody, I mean, they knew where I was from. They knew my name. Like, I could tell them that kind of stuff. But nobody really, like, knew me from, I wasn't Mary Laura from Ruston. Like, I was Mary Laura. And so if I wanted to have fun that week, I had to go and make my own friends by myself, like, in this huge environment where everybody around me is, like, believes the same things that I do and has similar morals. And so that was really foundational in my independence and social skills. I... Like I can, I will be sending my kids to summer camp <laughs> by themselves, no friends. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What's next for Mary Laura? I, you know, there's a cliche, especially in business. We talk about we overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in ten years, mm-hmm. right? So, big picture, everything turns up roses. Where is Mary Laura in ten years? in 2033 and boy that makes me feel old to think about Mm -hmm. well that's funny that you asked that because my new motto right now that I'm if something that comes along with my personality I'm very 
driven. I'm very independent. I like doing, but I can be a tad high strung and a tad stressed at times and overreact to certain situations when they don't go according to my plan. So my new motto for 2023 is it's not that serious. Mm. Not that it doesn't matter. Not that life doesn't matter and the things that you do don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that serious. So what is happening in my life right now? It like it's okay. It's not that serious. Like I can sit back and breathe. Like nothing is that serious to where I have to like hyperventilate about it. So back to your question, Mary Laura right now is not thinking about Mary Laura in ten years because that completely overwhelms me and it's not that serious and I have time to think about that because I'm just trying to take it day by day, focus on one day at a time and conquer that. And we'll see where Mary Laura ends up in ten years, but for right now, I'm just going to see where doing my best every day takes me. We had to move because there are too many cool places in this house not mm-hmm. to shoot in more than one, Mary Laura. But I also felt like this room was appropriate because it's time to talk business, right? And this, this feels like a room where business has oh, been yeah. done, right? Oh, yeah. I want to talk to you specifically about what people can expect from this show the kinds of topics that we're going to approach, the, some of the names that you're going to have on for experts mm-hmm. to discuss these topics. But the broadest question that I want to start with is, as a teen, especially a popular one who's got a public persona, you know, you've, you've pulled that on yourself with the things that you've achieved. Why choose this list of topics, right? There's a million things that are confronting you and that you have to think about and that you'd like to reach out to your peers that don't have all the opportunities and advantages you have. Why this list do you think is kind of the most important or at least the most important that you have a chance to have an impact on? That's a really good question. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for asking me that. (laughs) I started this because I struggled personally with this issue and there aren't a lot of answers. There's a lot of reasons why social media is bad and it's like corrupting our teens, but there's not any solutions because this is the problem that has the largest gap between our parents and us. Mm. And so it's the gray area where... Our parents have never been in the position that we're in, and so they don't know how to handle the emotions and the situations that we're put in as a result of growing up in the technology age that gets really muddy and tricky because you can't solve a problem you don't understand in the first place. And so my job here, my goal, is to be the bridge for that gap to speak on behalf of the teenagers like, hey, this is what we're dealing with, And this is how you can help us. Because I feel like a lot of parents, especially, shy away from social media because they're like, oh, I just don't understand. Like, that's y'all's generation's issue. Like, that's y'all. Like, y'all know all that. I'm never going to understand it. No, that's not an excuse not to approach the problem. Mm. So my goal with this podcast is to help people understand social media, one, how to handle it, two, and, like, the things that you're going to encounter in different professions, stages of life, like, all of that kind of stuff. Just social media in general and how to handle it from every aspect. You know, one of the things that I find myself, I mean, this is, the digital world is my business. My whole life is, mm-hmm. is working online. And even still, I find myself struggling with wanting to chide my children for being online or on their Mm -hmm. screen so much. People of my generation and definitely people of my parents' generation imagine that all those screens are for, all you can do online is entertainment, right? All we can do is time-wasting. 
But you and I know that that's not the case. I mean, mm -hmm. even in my own life, I find myself when I need education, when I need to learn a new skill, I go to YouTube, mm -hmm. I go to TikTok, and I learn that new skill from a helpful video from some mm -hmm. creator like me. So there's value in it. In particular, for people of your generation, basically any occupation that you're going to have, mm -hmm. you're going to be expected to have a public persona and a, and a public-facing social media profile. So these are skills that we're going to have to develop. Mm -hmm. We are still fundamentally cavemen in a digital world, right? Yes. Our brains ha have, have been built to answer one problem, solve one solution in a complex, creative way, but it's one mm -hmm. at a time, right? We've got to either kill that boar or mm -hmm. we've got to avoid that lion or whatever. Whereas you have to face mm -hmm. 15 different ones. You want to have something to say. You want to build up your peer group. You want to expose who mm -hmm. you are as a person to the world. But also you have to protect yourself from bullying and yes. negative impressions, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually do want to add on to How do you to approach the, it? Yes. So... As I've done, I've done a little bit of my homework here. So Please. as a teenager, your developmental needs include like developing friendships, establishing a social status, and figuring out who you are. So establishing like your identity. Mm. And that really matches up with what social media can provide to you. And it's funny because whenever I hit to the tech like technology or the virtual world, your brain automatically goes to like computers digital software like that's what you go to that's what your generation goes to like my mom right. knows how to do things on the computer that i like don't understand at all what my mind goes to is social media TikTok, twitter snapchat whatever like that's immediately what my mind goes to so like we have things that we can give and take and learn from each other but we separate them and like totally don't talk about it the same absolutely and so back to the teenager that's like that's what makes it so hard is that our developmental needs match up perfectly with what social media can give us and social media is a business and we don't think about it like that but like <laughs> like it, it's a business like we are the products that are being sold and as the products our needs aren't thought of like social media isn't designed to be good for us it's designed to make money and so when you like try and match that up with teenagers who are developing and figuring out who they are and basing their status off of the amount of friendships that they can collect on a, like a social platform, it, it doesn't end well, especially mm. if that's the only world that they know. It, I've never thought of this analogy before, but to hear you describe it just then, it made me think about it. It's like social media is a tool and mm -hmm. it can be very useful to our children. We need to teach them how to use it, but giving it to them without an understanding of it ourselves or any reins or parameters for them to help them grow and expand with it. It's like sending your kid to the wood shop and being like, I figure out how to use those saws, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very dangerous tool too. It is if you don't understand it and understand what it it's built for. So like social media, it is a global audience in an app mm. that was created for marketing. Like, like that is what it's, it's for. It's to reach advertising. Yes, it's it's a global audience for companies to reach on a social platform, and it's evolved into this like social competition online. And it's crazy when I hear about like twelve-year-olds entering this virtual world that they really have no idea what it's about. They just know that their friends are on it, and in order to create a social status, they have to be there too. Mm. And so going into that, not knowing what to expect and what, not knowing the tricks and manipulation that are present on that app is extremely dangerous. And that's why the statistics and have rose so much for like, like the coordination between 
teenagers and social media, like there is a direct correlation between the amount of time you spend on social media and like increased depression, anxiety, and like self-harm thoughts. Like that is a real thing. And I feel like we kind of completely bypass that. Like nobody Mm. talks about it. Like seriously, like this is such a huge thing integrated into our daily lives and nobody talks about it. It's just there. We're going to talk about it right here. Yes, we are. This is what we're here for. That's that's the that's <laughs> the whole point of this podcast. And so so the way we're going to do that, uh, and look, this thing may grow over time, right? As you said earlier, who knows what Mary Laura will be doing in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But the current plan is we're going to do a limited series <laughs> of episodes, which are somewhat structured on the kinds of presentations that you've already been given to yes. high schoolers and junior high kids all across the state anyway. Um, we're going to put this into digital form. It's going to be through a series of interviews with some experts. Mm-hmm. Do you have a couple of names you want to mention that are going yes. to talk about specific topics? Um, well, okay, I'm not going to put any names out there yet, but I'm going to All tell right. you some of the professions that I want to bring into this podcast Perfect. to explain how social media has evolved and changed their profession over the years and their opinions on that and how they've seen it's helpful or harmful when in regards to social media and teenagers. Mm. So I want a psychiatrist, a counselor, somebody who deals with teenagers, and has been dealing with teenagers for years alongside social media and I want to see how that has affected their workplace the sheriff's department like a police officer or somebody like that is a real crime sextortion is a real thing that nobody talks about and like it's a crime and so I want to see how social media has grown and evolved their workplace as well a teacher so many teachers constantly complain about not being able to get their students off their phones in class (laughs) and so seeing how that has evolved and changed students determination or motivation in the classroom so those are just a few of the examples of people that I want to bring in and why I want to bring them in I think that's awesome. We're going to do that. So you're going to be hosting those discussions with each individual uh, guest expert as we come for each individual topic. And the cool part about that, I think, and people can expect this under the videos on the on the podcast post, wherever you're listening to this, give us feedback. Ask the questions that you have as they come up through the series, and we might be able to make those part of the next video when Mary's talking to the um, the different experts. I've got two questions here that I want to wrap things up with. First, and and I'm going to surprise you with this one, I think. Oh, gosh. Uh, if you could start high school over again, and first of all, if you're like me, maybe you potentially wouldn't want to, but assuming you had to, I guess, what is one thing that you would do differently? So I think what people expect me to say a lot of times when dealing with social media is that it's bad. Everybody should delete it. Like, it's bad. It's ruining our lives. Like, we have to delete it now. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I just want us to be aware of what social media brings to the table. And so I'm not going to say that I would have preferred to enter high school without social media because that's a whole issue in itself. Like, social media is prevalent in all teenagers' lives, whether they have it or they don't. Because Mm. if they don't have it, their friends have it. And if their friends have it and they don't, they feel left out. And it's like, it's a whole cycle. So you don't necessarily have to have social media for it to harm you in the first place. Right. Like, I honestly, I just would have wanted more information about it. And I mean, that sounds cliche because I'm doing a podcast on more information about social media. Yes. But I really do think I would like to have been more aware of what was actually happening on social media and have been able to 
separate my worth from social media, just being able to decipher that. But that really comes with maturity. Mm. So I don't think I'd be in the place that I am right now if that hadn't have happened the way it did. So I don't know if I'd really change anything, but if I could have gone in and intervened, I would have informed myself of what was actually happening well, online. And frankly, what I'm what I'm hearing there is really, it, it's I mean, not to blame your parents or anything, mm-hmm. but it is one of those things, if we had it to do over again, it would have been nice if your parents had been more knowledgeable of the mm-hmm. subject. This is a fault of all of us. You know, we, we went into this thing blindly mm-hmm. as it grew up around us, and you guys are literally birthed into it from the beginning. So it's you're native citizens of the digital world, and yet it is a world where there aren't any experts, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and if we're keeping it real, sure, parents don't really monitor social media or learn anything from social media unless there's a problem there's a problem and the child does something to make them concerned with social media then they're going to address it right but when it's handed to their child they don't really know what restrictions to set because they don't know what the child is capable of online and as teenagers we're going to be sneaky and we're going to push boundaries and that's just what teenagers do we're going to rebel so we might not be mad about the fact that our parents don't know a whole lot about social media until there's a problem. Right. So it's kind of like there's no like meeting because it's like you meet after the problem happens. So then it's no good because what happened has happened, you know? It's, it's such a strange thing, though. I, I had a boss one time who, who told me that, you know, the, the failure of most work relationships is the boss's failure to establish expectations. Mm-hmm. Right? If the first day... <laughs> A new employee shows up late, and it's a real pain point for you for people to be late. Honestly, it's too late at that point already to say it. You should have said it when you were in the hiring process, mm-hmm. right? It, timeliness is a really important factor for us. We've got to start on time. Five minutes is, is on time. On time is late, you know? If you don't establish that as the boss, then you let it fester over time. Six months from now, a year from now, all of a sudden you're like, why are you late all the time? And the guy's like, you never said anything about mm-hmm. it, right? The same thing happens for us as parents, I think, a lot of times. We just assume, well, the kid doesn't know how to do X, Y, or Z on the computer, mm-hmm. so I don't need to worry about it. And then six months have gone by. They've been doing it all of this time. Suddenly, somebody gets in trouble. Somebody gets caught at school. Somebody has mm-hmm. a, a, a bullying situation because of mm-hmm. you know messages. And now, you're right, they rush in. Why? How could you do this? Nobody I told me. Know. Nobody told me not yeah. to. Nobody put parameters on it. So... Those parameters are some of the things that we're going to hope to bring to you through expert testimony, so to speak, and, and expert mm-hmm. um, interviews. All right, that was question one. Very, uh, very sly, swerving. Not a lot of changes oh, there, but a, a, a good answer to the question. Okay, here's my last one, and we'll wrap it up on this. First of all, you've got a little bit of a social following already, so I think a lot of the people that um, listen to this podcast are, are already going to know you and, and know what to do it. But if somebody stumbled on this, they want more from you, Obviously, they can subscribe to the YouTube channel. They can follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere. But for you personally, where can they find more of Mary Laura, uh, native citizen of the digital world? Oh, I'm on all social platforms. So if you're dealing with social media, you got to know something about social media. So I'm on pretty much every um, social platform. So, I mean, you look up Mary Laura Hunt, I'm there. I don't you obviously have had a lot of success, but anybody knows that with that success comes a tremendous amount of scrutiny and pressure, anxiety. Even if you don't have you know, huge failure, rock bottom moments, mm-hmm. it's still a struggle from day to day. 
somebody out there that's listening to this and they are struggling kind of in a down period they're in a bullying situation the grades aren't going well whatever it might be mm-hmm. what would you want to say to them just as a pick-me-up and a positive move forward um, obviously we want them to come back and listen to this I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of good messages for them from your experts mm-hmm. but just as a little bit of motivation and positivity what do you want to hear yourself when you're in one of those down mm-hmm. moments So I think a big thing that makes those down moments just spiral out of control in regards to social media especially is that it really idealizes our life Mm. and it makes it look like everything is so easy. Like I oftentimes like get discredited of everything that I've done because it just looks easy to people who don't know me. They don't think I worked hard. Oh, it was just, she just like, she just likes doing that. Like she, it was a natural, she's a natural. No, it's hard. Life is hard. And social media doesn't flaunt that. People are curating what you see to see the best of them, and that's not what it is. And life is hard, and everybody struggles. And so if you are struggling, I'm not going to tell you that it's like life isn't going to be hard because it is. But if you are struggling, know that other people are struggling too. Like everybody is struggling. They're just not going to put it out there for you to see. So that's kind of what I think about. It's like, yes, I'm struggling, but I'm not the only one. Like people people under will understand. They understand me. It's just not apparent online. And I think that's what makes our generation spiral a little bit because everything looks so perfect and it's, it's not. And that's what the whole Keep It Real movement yes, is all about. It's the whole thing. That's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mary Laura, for your time. Yes. That was awesome. Of course.